It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Kill, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception. Perception, The show. My voice is not fully back. We're like, we're like ninety percent there, though, Matt. We're ninety percent there. Uh, as we are trying to get through, uh, what is this, daylight savings time? It's getting darker a little bit early. we got a little rain coming down randomly in L.A. as well. But, uh, boy, it, just fe- it feels like football season is here. Yeah, well, you know, it's week 10, pal. Nobody's 100%. So that's if right. the best you can give us is 90% of you, that's more than enough. That is more than enough for us to continue to win as a show. So I appreciate it, pal. Love it. Um, but I wanted to start by – talking about the Colts because big news out of Indianapolis. They, they fire Frank Reich, absolute stunner. They hire randomly ESPN analysts. I mean, obviously I know this guy's a great player, former great player, but he's got zero head coaching experience in Jeff Saturday, zero head coaching experience at the pro or collegiate level. And yet here we go. He's going to be the interim head coach there for Indianapolis more than the firing Matt. The hiring of Jeff Saturday on so- set social media ablaze. This is one of those stories where I don't even know where to start. Like, I don't even know where to go because there's so many different directions you can go. Like, <laughs> um, the Frank, again, just the, the firing alone, the Frank Reich firing alone broke um, during my wife and I's three mile morning walk that we try to take every day. Um, and I was like, whoa, Frank Reich got fired. And, you know, she's kind of asking about it. I was like, God, I mean, like right now, it's not kind of surprising that they fired Frank Reich in the middle of the season because what they rolled out yesterday was just like an absolute unserious operation, the Indianapolis Colts offense. You know, that was just – it was a joke. And if you had said this to me in July or August, like, hey, guess what? Frank Reich's going to get fired in the middle of the season. I would have been like, no, no, he's not. Like, come on. They're, they're probably going to win that division. So things have obviously spiraled really quickly. So that right. in and of itself is like a pretty – like I said, how we got there to this point after all the quarterback turnover, you know, um, the honestly, the, the Colts have kind of sort of been like the Panthers in a way that they've cycled through a different quarterback every year. Now it's been right. theoretically better guys, right? Like Philip Rivers, you know, better than Teddy Bridgewater. Um, Carson Wentz, probably better than Sam Darnold last year. Like, Matt Ryan, I don't, I guess maybe better than Baker Mayfield, right? Like, right. It's a slightly better, but right. it's the same sort of carousel yeah. thing that, and no surprise, those are the two teams that have fired their head coach in the middle of the season. So, all that to say, like, the firing of Frank Reich is an interesting enough story, but it has been completely overshadowed. You're right completely. by this Jeff Saturday thing. <laughs> Everyone was going absolutely nuts. I mean, and again, because the Saturday thing, it's like, it's so many different layers to it, right? Like, okay, you've got the whole backdrop of the Brian Flores thing, right? Like, yeah. you've got this whole backdrop of, like, minority candidates not really getting a fair shake. Then we go, okay, here's Jeff Saturday. I mean, and again, I look, I get that he's a great player or was a great player, you know, and he's a all-timer when it comes to Colts, you know? But at the same time, it's like, what are we doing here, man? Like, we're really hiring a TV analyst to be an actual NFL head coach like what you got to be absolutely yeah. shitting me <laughs> this is this is the first time I think in NFL history or at least like in the last I think since like the 60s that somebody has been hired that wasn't on the official coaching staff and um you know they've got John Fox on the coaching staff there they've got Gus, Gus Bradley. Bradley like yeah. former NFL head coaches and I think what this clearly signals I mean it signals a lot right and you're so right to bring up the the minority part of this, like the, you know, the coaching, the minority coach to feel like they don't get a fair shake at this stuff. You're totally right to bring it up because people are going to feel that way about it. I also think like, I wonder what guys on the roster feel like, um, you know, like if they wanted totally. to do sort of, Oh my God. 
I uh, would love would love to know what you know guys on the roster think right now um, with the way this season has gone. Like again, there's just so many things you could pull on here. But to bring it back to kind of Saturday thing is like they they when the when the announcement came out from Adam Schefter, one I thought it was absolutely objectively hilarious that he felt the need to unironically include his high school coaching <laughs> credentials. What? Um, but he also noted in there that he has been so consult stupid. he's been consulting with the team. That that can literally mean like we've seen we've seen stuff like this happen before. Um, my colleague at, at Yahoo brought up the point, uh, Frank Schwab. Like, remember when, or it might have been Charles Robinson, I can't remember. Um, brought up the point that when the Carolina Panthers fired Dave Gettleman and uh-huh. they announced Marty Marty Herney was um, coming, it was Charles Robinson. Now I remember right. Uh, made the point that when they fired Dave Gettleman, they brought Marty Herney back as the GM. They said like, oh well, he's been consulting with the team, and I think Charles asked somebody, well, what does that mean? Oh, well, he's been. He's been on the phone with Jerry, Jerry Richardson, the old the old owner of the Panthers. Like, so basically, like what this probably means is like, yeah, Jeff Saturday and and Jim Mersey probably get on the phone yeah. and talk, and that's yeah. like he's consulting with the team. That's what that's what that can mean. <laughs> so, I think what this signals is that Jim Mersey has wanted Jeff Saturday to come work for him for a long, long time, and this was basically his way to do it. Because if he wanted to hire like a franchise icon and just like make it a feel-good story. Reggie Wayne is on the coaching staff. He's the oh, receiver's coach on this right. team. That's right. Why not go Reggie Wayne? Like, what? What is going on here? Oh, my I, It's God. clearly like a Josh – it's it's exactly like the Josh McCown thing, which we know people have rightfully had feelings about. Um, the minority part of it, the part about, like, this guy has no NFL or college coaching experience, it's the same damn thing, but – Nick Casario and maybe the ownership there in Houston, they want to, they wanted Josh McCown. They want, they, but they wanted to bypass all the other stuff and just make Josh McCown the head coach. They couldn't do that because of the climate with the Brian Flores lawsuit last off season. They will try, they will try again there. This, that story is certainly not over, but that's clearly what's going on here is that Jim Mercer wanted (laughs) Jeff's like, this is not a, I think people, and I've thought about, you know, I might've even said it different times. Like, Oh, it's a, it's a tanking thing. It's, I don't think it's a tanking thing. I think he just, he literally wanted Jeff Saturday to be the coach and like, this is his way to do it. And I bet you if they even go, I don't even think they got to go 500, but if they're just not an outright joke, the rest of the way I shoot, even if they are an outright joke, the rest of the way, I bet you Jeff Saturday is like the leader in the clubhouse for this job (laughs) in in the off season. God damn. That would be so horrific. Oh my God. I mean, what it does, it completely trivializes what head coaches do, you know, it's not like a rah-rah thing, you know, this is not like, it's not like college where like you can go and you can get away with being a rah-rah guy. And as long as you recruit five-star guys and put better athletes on the field, um, you know, the X's and O's part about being a coach um, at like the non-professional levels is not, I think I'm not speaking out of turn. It's just not as important, you know, like you could be the best X's and X's and O's ball coach in the world. If you're playing, if you, if you've got a bunch of, you know, no star recruits, a bunch of walk-ons going up against Michigan, I could coach Michigan and we're destroying that team. Right. Don't push it. (laughs) Hey, look, Hey, if Jeff Saturday is a head coach in the NFL, why can't I be the head coach at Michigan? Tell me that right now. Why can't I? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I've, on one hand, you're both media personalities. You know, That's Jeff right. Saturday was like That's doing right. media this past, like just this past week, like um, on radio shows, like ripping the offensive line, like li- like this morning or yet or yesterday or something like that. It's like I wonder, like when I want to know when Jeff Saturday found out he was going to be the head coach. I want to know. I want to know, and I want to know what the phone call went like. I want. Man. I would. L- I want to know. And by the way, like the the press conference is going to. We're taping this Monday, four p.m. Yeah. Um, Pacific. This press conference is going to happen in forty-five minutes. Not so, con- not so unconveniently, like right before, like right during Monday Night Football. Basically, like they for sure want like that thing buried, right? Oh, buried. Anyways, buried. but you know, it's going to be just, lit. The the Manning cast is going to be lit, dude. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah. man, Manning cast could be nice. We're going to get some uh, unfiltered Peyton, possibly. 
uh, raw reaction, same day, the, the Colts. I mean, wh- what are the chances that Ursay reached out to Peyton? Pretty good, right? Like, he had to have reached out, right? At least to, just, to, just to get a feeler. Like, Peyton, you, you, are you interested maybe, possibly? I'm sure, the, I'm sure the phone call was made. Although the only thing is, like, he knew he could get Jeff. Like, he knew he could get Jeff Saturday. Like, they've had to have talked about this before. That's the thing. Like, oh, for sure. And I th- actually, now that I remember, I think Jeff Saturday has said, um, like, that when he retired, Ursay was like, you have a job in the front office waiting for you whenever you want it. Like, whenever you want it, you got a job waiting for you. Well, shoot, he actually had a head coach job waiting for him <laughs> for whenever he wanted um, One One more point on this, too. You're so, you're so right to say that so much goes into this. You know, Jeff Saturday's not, like, he's never led a meeting before. You know, never led a coaching meeting. Um, that's cra- That's just crazy. Obviously, high school guys, whatever. But like NFL dudes, and the one thing, the only thing I would say, the only difference between you and Jeff Saturday, James, is that like Jeff Saturday at least has like some skins on the wall. You know, like he's no, no, yeah, no, Super Bowl I mean, champion. He's yeah, pro- exactly. But but even and obviously compared to you for sure. But even to a guy like Josh McCown, you know, McCown, look, he seems like he is, is a great guy, like super sharp. I'm sure he'd be. I'm sure he's maybe he's got a great future as a coach, whatever, but he's still like better in journeyman Josh McCown. Whereas like, this is a franchise legend in Jeff Saturday. So it's not not like he's going to get in there and, you know, I mean, he was inducted into the Colts, you know, ring of honor, ring of honor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 won Super Bowls with the team. So it's not as if he's going to come in there and the guys are going to be like, Oh, this, this clown, right? Like they're not going to do that. Um, you know, right, he's got right. Reggie Wayne on the coach that boys like, I don't want to, but for like the players who's calling plays now, right? Cause they fired their offense coordinator, Marcus Brady, yeah, who wasn't, right. wasn't calling plays, but still probably could have just moonwalked into the play calling spot. Like Reggie, Reggie is our, our old, our old colleague, James at NFL network, Reggie, Reggie Wayne. Is he going to pull it, put the headset on? Is he going to start calling plays? Like well, yeah, I have, that's, I have no that's what, what was part of like. the story. That's what was part of the story is that there's no play calling experience uh, on the staff right now. And that Jeff Saturday is like literally like trying to figure that out as we are taping right now, they're trying to figure out who's going to be calling plays. Um, and like, you know, again, it's like Jeff said, I mean, like, this is what's so crazy. The, the reason that you've never heard of this happening and the reason NFL teams, the interim coach always comes from the current staff is because they know the playbook. You would think, you would think, but the two, the top two guys that know the playbook, Frank Reich and the offensive coordinator that they let go, they're gone. So again, maybe Reggie Wayne knows all the play calls. Maybe. Maybe there's somebody else in that room that knows all the play calls. Maybe, but we don't know. By the way, and still working with a second-year quarterback in Sam Ellinger, right? Who's you know again, it's not like he's a veteran, right? Like so, you think you think Ellinger really start like rest of the season? You think he really starts all the games, or do you think they go back to Matt Ryan? You think they go to Nick Foles at some point? Like I think that's. I think they go to Foles. I think they go to Foles. Um, I don't think they go to Matt Ryan because of the contract. Because mm. if he gets hurt, they got to pay him. His right. contract is <laughs> he was going to get injured. hurt. He's 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 already hurt. Like that's you know, what I he's mean. Get, he's going to get hurt again for sure, for sure. Which is why I think they announced that when you go through the contract and, and you realize that his his contract is guaranteed through injury, um, then you're like, okay, yeah, they can't play him. They 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 literally yeah. can't. They, there's just no way um, because if he just gets you know anything any kind of if he gets banged up at all uh, they're on the hook for that contract next year they cannot do that can't do it man um so no I, I don't i don't think they'll do that but i do think to your point going to a more veteran quarterback in nick Foles, i think that makes probably makes a little bit more sense and actually to be honest with you that probably makes a little bit more sense in the brain of jeff saturday too right like oh let's get like a traditional veteran you know pocket passer type dude um and i and i'll say this man like you know for sure, 100%, Jeff Saturday's pouring every ounce of effort that he has into that O-line. And that yeah. O-line, I can almost guarantee you, is going to play better uh, as the season wears on. Can't, like, Can't really play worse. You can't play, I mean, you're right. You're right. And you can't play that much worse. But again, Saturday does bring that you know, experience, that, that knowledge level. And he's going to bring that focus, too. I mean, look, defensive coordinators, when they become coaches – 
what do they spend their time on? You know, come on. We all know. They, they spend time on the defense. You know, offensive guys come in. They spend time on the offense. Okay, well, Jeff Saturday comes in. He's got no head coaching experience. <laughs> God doesn't know anything. But he knows offensive line play. So he's going to come in and absolutely hammer focus on that offensive line. I promise you they're going to play better uh, as the season progresses. But wow, what a crap. <laughs> what a crazy it's- ass story this is, man. It's got to be top five in terms of most insane stories I can I can remember. Um, yeah, I mean, good luck, good luck to Jeff. Good good yeah. luck to Jeff. That'll be uh, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I think the tank is on. Uh, it's a very strong quarterback class. Jeremy Mercer obviously knows very much uh, about drafting guys like Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and what that means for a franchise. I the, the tank. Yeah, he's is spoiled. On. He's spoiled on it. I think. <laughs> no. So he's not he's not an idiot. Like he's gotta know. He's gotta look at his upcoming draft and be like, dude, there are some nice quarterbacks coming up, man. Like, let me try to like nab one of these guys. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Perception, perception, the show. Now, now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, how about Joe Mixon? Just went absolutely, I mean, ham sandwich, dude. Five touchdowns, 201 scrimmage yards. Went crazy. Uh, it's the first time he's been over. He averaged nearly seven yards per carry, 6.95 yards per carry. It's the first time he's been over six yards per carry uh, in two years. Uh, mm. So hyper-efficient um, has been, and, and I bring that up because... He has been anything but efficient, Matt, uh, in recent weeks. As a matter of fact, he's been below 3.5 yards per carry in six of their previous eight games. Yeah, it's amazing what one – I mean, this is obviously like a nuclear game, but, you know, Joe Mixon, one of the more – you know, disappointing picks you probably could have made in, in fantasy in the early round. Not like outright he's killing your team or anything, but it's like, man, I took this guy in the back of the first round. I expected a little bit more. You know, he's not Najee Harris, right? Like, mm-hmm, been better, mm-hmm. been better than taking Najee Harris there. But it's like now he's a top five back in fantasy, right? This is crazy. I just, I just always guess that was funny. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure, like how to feel about about this Joe Mixon performance because part, part of it is, well, look, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get this again the rest of the season. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with playing the Carolina Panthers, and I know that, you know, at certain times we've been. Oh, the last couple of weeks, PJ Walker, you know, great stuff, right? Like, man, he's been playing well. Th- that was a disaster of a game for PJ Walker. And, Jesus. And that's Awful. that's in the that's in the range of outcomes for PJ Walker. You know, he's not too dissimilar. He, well, he couldn't be any more different from like a stylistic perspective or honestly, even like a tools perspective than a guy like Taylor Heineke. But you know, it is kind of funny. They're both like XFL quarterbacks. Like, right. Only difference was Heineke was a backup quarterback in the XFL. PJ Walker was like the best player in the XFL. Um, they definitely have like, oh wow, they can string some good moments together, but they absolutely have like puke on their shoes. Like this is not the first like poop his pants game that um, PJ Walker has ever no. had. Dude, and, and so as those... a matter of fact, it was like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, it's not yeah, right. it that yeah, long yeah, yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had these games before. Uh, yeah. He's actually played quite a bit uh, for the Matt Rule uh, and obviously in the post Matt Rule era Carolina Panthers, but. Um, you know, there's short field stuff like that. That's going to be huge for Joe Mixon. So the efficiency stuff, yeah, it was really good to see that. Um, I, I don't really know how much to put in it going forward, but um, it just is good that the Bengals have had some level of counterpunch uh, for right. for their for their for, for their running game and their offense with uh, with Jamar Chase obviously being uh, out of commission for right now. 
I mean, God sakes, three weeks ago, Carolina, when they took on the Rams, P.J. Walker went 10 of 16, threw for 60 yards total. 60 yards. I mean, come on. So, no, this is very much well within the range of outcomes. Like, this is is not, you know, that. Barely throw. Didn't he, like, not even throw a pass um, beyond the line of scrimmage or whatever, something like that? I think it was, yeah, there was something like that, too, man. So, no, this is not. This is absolutely within the range of outcomes, which is why, again, I think we were all very – I don't want to say overly confident in DJ Moore, but we, there was a certain level of of trust oh, yeah. there yeah. with DJ Moore in a, in a good matchup too. By the way, um, you're mm-hmm. thinking, okay, these guys have given up some production uh, in the slot, a little bit outside as well. DJ Moore's moving around; he's looking, you know, he's looking good. He's looking motivated. Nah. Starting corners were both out for that game too. I. Th- you know what I'm saying? So it was, you know, Mike Hilton was out, Chidi Awuzie was out. You're thinking, okay. DJ Moore's got a really good opportunity here. PJ Walker just needs to build on his performance from last week just a little bit. And oh my gosh, it just, I mean, the bottom fell out. It looks so bad. Dude, Joe Mixon did so well, Matt. He got two Carolina Panther coaches fired. They fired their cornerbacks coach and their D-line coach after Joe Mixon just went crazy for 55 points or whatever it was in fantasy, man. Like craziness. They're gonna to have to be looking for uh, guys off TV. Maybe you could. Maybe you can end up as the Carolina Panthers, like I don't know, quality control coach or something. Nah, by the time, see, that, you know, no, that's where that's where you need to step in because you've got your Carolina ties. Oh, I'd I'd rather know? be dead. Okay, <laughs> Jesus. Maybe not that extreme, but I I I can't imagine it's something I would turn down faster than a Carolina Panthers uh, offensive quality control coach job. There you go. Um, okay. Yeah. No. No. I, I'll I'll stick to. To doing shows Perfect. from this from this room with my you know with my stupid records behind me and everything there else I'll I'll pass on it. that I love it I love it um yeah fifty five points or whatever it was for uh, Joe Mixon I don't have the number right in front of me here but I was just marveling because this is truly one of the all time great fantasy performances I think it was like rivaling I think he was just a a hair off of what Jamal Charles did I think Jamal Charles had like yeah that's right something like ten catches and like two hundred yards and five touchdowns or whatever it was. Um, just a hair off of that, but um, one of the all-time great performances. Keep in mind, guys, if you're listening to this, if a player gives you like 300 points in fantasy football, that's like a great season. Mm-hmm. A great season. 300 points total. <laughs> Joe Mixon gave you 55. One game. <laughs> one game. You know I mean, I mean yeah, it's, it's not uh, just overall. Yeah, I mean – I, again, I don't really know how to feel about Joe Mixon because it's such a crazy game, and uh, it just is—it's going to make his final numbers look a lot better, um, you know, probably by the end of the year. Yeah, but I, I think this—I think it just goes to show, like, some of these offenses need time. And I'll give again—I'll give Zach Taylor a little bit of credit here that uh, what we've given him some crap for not adjusting his offense fast enough. You know, they went like under center 64 percent uh where they've been like a pure shotgun team those two real hot weeks they had with Mm -hmm. jamar chase firing off you know even i think they kind of tried to run the same thing out there against cleveland on halloween and they got cry they got cracked in that game you know um i think this was like a decent adjustment that hey this past we probably don't want brian burns who had a sack in this game you know teeing off on joe burrow over there let's maybe um let's maybe dial that back Let's maybe run the ball a little bit against a, a vulnerable team here. And and P.J. Walker just giving him the ball right. back and over and over and over again really made things easier. Uh, it's just a good credit to a Bengals team that I, I think is still trying to figure itself out. You know, oh, for sure. I, I they're still feeling there. And, you know, they don't have their best player right now. Their, right. their best player is, is for sure Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, they'll, they'll get that back at some point and they'll get back rolling. But I mean, just the stats, like, because this is what's going to happen when you're, uh, when you're, when your team just gets crushed from the turnover perspective, right. you know, 20, barely 20 minutes time of possession for the Carolina Panthers, almost yeah. 40 minutes for the Bengals. You know, that's like perfect uh, recipe for your total total plays i mean 72 total plays for the Bengals, 48 for the panthers um which is just crazy because like in a day where the running back goes nuts you don't think they're gonna run 72 plays but when the quarterback just keeps giving it to you giving it to you giving it to you (laughs) this is what's gonna happen 
Um, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, their, their, this offense trying to find themselves, and I totally agree because they are missing their best player. Um, you know, the air yards per attempt in this game against Carolina, not that they needed to air it out, but it was 8.07 air yards per pass attempt, right? It was the fewest pass yards that Joe Burrow has had in a game uh, this year. Uh, oh, excuse me, except for week number two uh, against Dallas when he had 199. But this offense was starting to click. Uh, we were feeling really excited about it. And in week seven against Atlanta, they averaged 12.88 air yards per pass attempt. Uh, and the week prior to that against New Orleans, it was 9.73 air yards per pass attempt, right? So, and, and those numbers, if you're familiar with air yards, that's that's really good. That's, you're being aggressive. You're going, you're attacking downfield. You've got two vertical guys in T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. So, you, you know, you're you're opening it up. Well, now back down when it was against Cleveland, they were really trying to figure things out. 6.5 air yards per attempt, and then now against Carolina, even in a hopeless situation for, for Carolina where Cincinnati could have done anything they wanted, still eight, yard, eight air yards per pass attempt, which, again, that's, that's decent. Uh, and given the personnel, if it's around eight and a half, nine, I think we feel pretty excited about that. But, um, but yeah, it does seem as if they're trying to keep things a little closer to the vest on this offense, Matt. Yeah, I definitely think so, which makes sense. And um, they did kind of go into like a run heavy shell a little frustratingly at, at one point last year uh, as they were pushing towards the, the playoffs and Super Bowl and everything like that. Right. So, you know, maybe that's something that they can kind of keep keep relying on here as we go forward i i will say this look joe burrow only got sacked one time which is i mean what you want with given joe burrow and this offensive line's history that's what you want man so if they can win games like this i think they'd be uh more than pleased to do it that way but uh but yeah they've got pittsburgh tennessee and kansas city coming up in their upcoming game. So not sure if they're going to be able to win games like this, like they did against Carolina. All right, but we'll move on. Uh, let's talk about Justin Fields who went, I mean, golly, if it wasn't for the Joe Mixon thing, I mean, I guess people are, I guess more people are talk, probably talking about Justin Fields than there are Joe Mixon, but yeah. uh, 178 rushing yards. And this offense came alive. I mean, Honestly, when I was watching a play, I'm like, man, this is Colin Kaepernick in his prime, just doing whatever he wants. Well, Colin Kaepernick in his prime against Green Bay. <laughs> For whatever yeah. reason, he, he was always doing this against Green Bay. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, 178 rushing yards for uh, for Justin Fields, and uh, it was a back and forth battle against Miami in a game. A lot of folks thought that uh, the Bears had absolutely no chance. Yeah, so impressive from Justin Fields here. And, and you, you know, the Dolphins won the game. I get it. I, I talked to a lot of Bears fans, and they're all like, this is the perfect game for us. You know, we lose, but Justin Fields looks incredible. That's the that's the ideal situation for the Bears here uh, in 2022. But, you know, I really don't know what – like, if, I don't know if it was a um, – if it was because of this, but pretty much ever since, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick – and the rest of the TNF recap crew, like kind of laid into Luke Getze after um, they lost to Washington on Thursday night in week six, pretty much ever since then, the offense has looked different. You know, they were really kind of hammering Luke Getze for having Justin Fields be operate too much like a traditional drop back passer, like sit in the pocket, that type of stuff. Cause you know, and it just, I mean, the results spoke for itself. It just really wasn't right. working during that stretch. Justin Fields was in the shotgun on just under 60% of his passes. He's been up almost 70% in weeks seven to nine. And of course, the big thing, the big thing is that he's the fourth leading rusher during the, ever since that span. And they've gone right. to, it's, it's about 56% of the yards have been scrambles. The other have been designed runs. So they've been designing right. rushing <clears throat> opportunities for him. That's really been the big thing. And um, I just think this is so encouraging because like there are, universes where Justin Fields you know becomes wasted by the Bears right like they they don't get the best out of him and I don't think Fields has been look he's not a perfect player even right now he still has flaws we know that um I don't think he had a very good rookie season but I think he showed flashes um I think again it was kind of messy in, a, in an offense that doesn't really same sort of thing the first year and a half for Justin Fields career have been in offenses that did not suit him at all period right. um this the way they've called plays 
since week seven has really been well suited to Justin Fields. And I think we see the results of that. You know, I will say this. I want to bring up the fact that uh, I think the Dolphins came in with a really weird game plan uh, defensively. Okay, they play 40% man, which is about <clears throat> what they do um, on the season coming in. Uh, it's the it's actually the uh, the third highest rate, I think, in the NFL going 40% man. So, okay, so already you're thinking, okay, this is a pretty aggressive style defense. Okay, fine. Um, it was, but the, the big shift, though, was that they went, single high safety on 80% of the snaps, Matt. That is yeah, unbelievable. They were, they're trying to spy him a little bit, and it, he's roasting that spy. <laughs> I, yeah, but, I mean, that's the problem, though, for me, is that, okay, you could have a spy, um, but having a single high safety on 80% of those snaps, this that opens the door for Fields to have three touchdowns on just 28 pass attempts, right? Like, yes. you're you're really risking it here, and for me, it's like, this is not a guy in Justin Fields. Look, I, he's got tools. Uh, like I've, I've been very complimentary about the way the ball comes out of his hands. Um, beautiful technique. You know, it's got real power on those throws. Those, those balls are heavy. You know what I mean? Like, they come in hot. Um, but, it, look, he's got a long way to go as a passer in terms of reading defenses. I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn there, right? Like, he's got mm -hmm. a long way to go in terms of reading defenses. To play this hyper-aggressive of a style where you're going 80% single high, that is, man, that's aggressive. That is extremely aggressive. And I just wonder, will teams look at this performance and say, we can't do that. We have to, we have to, have to, have to, make this guy beat us through the air. Um, and if they do that, where they kind of give that mush rush, where like, let's say they go base package, they rush three, maybe four guys at most. Everyone else sits back in zone. And you don't even need a spy at that point if you're playing that hardcore of a zone where you're like, we're just going to sit here. And whoever, wherever Fields goes, we're going to shift. We're going to move, amoeba style. Can, can Fields beat that? That would be my biggest question mark because when I turn on the game tape, I see a guy that still struggles to make reads, right? Like 60% mm -hmm. completion rate uh, in this game where he was going absolutely ballistic on the ground. He's just got a ways to go as a passer, Matt. Oh, for sure. Um, but I, I think you make a great point there about the single high stuff because um, Fields is definitely a big game hunter. I mean, in this stretch where I'm talking about since week's week seven to nine where I think they've adjusted the offense a little bit. He still ranks eighth in that span among quarterbacks in air yards per pass attempt. Right. Um, seventh. If you combine, if you combine Russell Wilson and Brett Rippon into one player, I guess that's where Russ is at this point, but no, I think Justin Fields definitely has some ways to go as a passer. Um, but the fact that they're getting him out on the move a little bit more, the fact that they're not just having him, drop back, you know, and just get crushed. I think he's got, he definitely has a sack problem. Um, that is the one thing like, and look, the bears are going to have a lot of financial flexibility next year. They're going to have a ton of cap room. Now they don't have a second round pick because they sent it for chase Claypool. Right. Um, let me ask you a question. Jim. Who do you think is just, a, just not fantasy, not a better receiver, chase Claypool or Darnell Mooney. Better receiver. Oh, Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney yeah. for me. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's, is that up for debate? Is that? I'm sure. I'm sure if you tweeted out, you'd get like, uh, you you know, you'd get you'd get some responses that said Darnell Mooney, not even close. You get some Chase Claypool, not even close. Like, which is usually how you know you've asked a good question. <laughs> um, but I do. I think it. I think yeah. that like because I think people still have this idea, like a theoretical ceiling about Chase Claypool that I don't really think ever existed. Or you think you, know, you think they're still living off of that like rookie season where he was making a bunch of splash plays. Buddy, you should know this better than everybody and better than anybody. Size and speed is a hell of a drug. <laughs> That's true. So people 100%. are definitely people are definitely still going to have that um, in their mind. But it's just kind of I asked the question because you know the Bears send a second round pick out to Chase Claypool or to get Chase Claypool. You think they'd probably want to you know next year when I say they have all this financial flexibility, um, they have a ton of cap room. They're they you probably at some point not next offseason, but eventually you'd be like. 
all right, well, we sent a second round pick for Chase Claypool. We have to pay this guy, but like Darnell Mooney's going to have his contract expired at the same time, you know? I so, know. um, what are you going to do? Be pretty interesting. Yeah. And do you, pay, but I think like, yeah, in a vacuum, well, really, I don't want to, I don't want to give like big, big money to either of these guys. So I think right. like in an ideal world, these are both like third wide receiver three types. Like Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney's presence on the roster wouldn't preclude me from, um, I, no, I, there's no big fish in the free agent market next year. Um, but like uh-huh. going to get a going to get somebody whose contract extension breaks down, uh, you know, tri- make it that type of trade. It wouldn't preclude me from that. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't preclude me from like taking a receiver at some point in the draft. But I, I just asked the question just because, um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting with with where they're at right now. Let me throw it back to you because uh, you, you bring up a great point and it gets my gears going here. But let me throw it back to you because, okay. Claypool, what is his ideal role in the offense? I I know you've thrown out big slot, but golly, I just I can't see it. Like he's not if you're gonna play him as a big slot, he's like almost you're almost saying he's a gadget guy, you know? Because he's not like that. It's not like he's like that guy that is gonna be able to win in the slot with route running. Um, in in my in my humble opinion, you know. Um, so yeah, I wrong. think ideally, actually, really, I think he, I, I'd, I'd love to see him as a flanker. Unfortunately, I think Darnell Mooney's best role is also as a flanker, um, as like a number two outside wide receiver. And like, if you could get another like real, like real nice X receiver to play that role, I, then I think, then I think we're working with something. Unfortunately, I just feel like there's a little bit of redundancy um with Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. Yes, I, I think you're right about that. Um now to answer your question about like where you'd play Chase Claypool, you can't you can't play him at X because not only can he not win against press coverage, he can't win against man coverage. He right. also doesn't win contested either. Which by the way, I'm like, okay, don't do that. You don't do that. What what do you do here, pal? But uh <laughs> so I think he can't really play as an X receiver, uh despite the size and speed. Um yeah. You know, that that's just off the table. But and the reason I say he works as a big slot is because you, you just get him away from man and press coverage or you can, you know, get him free against zones. And, and he's, I do think his best stuff is when you give him free releases and you let him like kind of rumble after the catch, like you give him some quick hitters there. Um, and now if it's any indication, though, look, and I know he didn't play a full time role. Uh, Chase Claypool was only was fifth on the team in routes behind Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, Cole Komet kind of coming on a little bit. I know, Equinemy, right? St. Brown, David Montgomery, and then you get Chase Claypool. There. Now, if it's any indication, Claypool spent uh, 88% of his snaps uh, on the line or, or, or out wide. So I think yeah. they might play him as a wide receiver. Um, Darno Mooney, 58.3% of his snaps in the slot. He's actually been like kind of a, a 50% slot guy for them this year because I think they want to take advantage of him as a speed slot receiver, which again, probably a good idea. Like neither one of these guys are big time press coverage, man coverage beaters. Um, you want to get them free releases. So yeah, there's a, I agree with you. Probably a little bit of redundancy there. Mooney's just like that vertical stretch slot flanker. And I think okay. Claypool is probably more of the design touches for him. Get him out in space. I just, there's clearly a, a lack for, or like a huge need for like a traditional number one X who can win contested, who can, um, get off the line of scrimmage against press coverage, you know, equanimity St. Brown, you know, he, he's not that guy, obviously. No. Uh, the, the problem for me though, is when you talk about roster construction and you spent a second round pick to go get the services of Claypool. Okay. So you're going to have to pay him. Well, you're going to have to pay Mooney too. Um, so what are you saying now? Are you now saying that these are your top two wide receivers and deal with it? Because if that's the case, buddy, that's a problem. Like we like it today because we're saying, oh, it's a young and up and coming wide receiving group. But the up and coming part means that you need to add somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think it just looks like a huge big difference like Chase Claypool versus like Byron Pringle or Dante Pettis, you know, some of these other guys. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- but I think they can't the- be done. Like they can't be done. No, they're like- not. No, they're yeah. There's, there's no way they're done. Obviously, like, like I said, they can, they have so much cap space next year. They can add they're, again, not a great free agent market, whatever. No, um, but they can add somebody else there. Uh, both these guys, contra- they're both drafted in 2020. So they're both their contracts will, and they were second round picks or well, Claypool was a second round pick and Mooney was like a day three pick. So right. they'll both run out in 23. 
I don't think they'll re- I think they'll pick one or the other. Um, like right now, I guess I'd say it probably would be Claypool because they gave up a second round pick to go get him. But I think Mooney's the better player, and like Mooney might stick around. Like also, by the way, there's a chance neither of these guys is resigned with the team. So um, because I don't think either of them is like high high key high end NFL starters. So yeah. um, we'll see. We'll see. I, it's just an interesting little duo there. But yeah, I don't. They're definitely. They're the one thing we can say for sure is they're 100 not done. It's Reception Reception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Hey, one of the uh, the big things on the website, uh, receptionperception.com, please go check it out. Uh, last year that I, I thought really got some uh, great feedback was the Rookie Report, um, which was new last year. And uh, you're bringing it back here for 2022. What should we look into? What should we be looking forward to? Well, yeah, man, the the rookie report. I've been in the lab, you know, charting these guys. Uh, been doing it obviously a little bit all season long, but um, really trying to bust out a ton of, of work here. This you're listening to this now on Tuesday. Um, it will for sure be up on the website, no doubt about it, by Friday. By Friday yeah. morning, it will be it'll be on the website. I'm hoping to Let's actually go. have it up sooner than that uh but you know we'll 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 see um there's still a good bit of work to be done although a lot of guys are done so right now the guys that will definitely be in there the big names garrett wilson who we're going to talk about chris olave Mm -hmm. drake london Traylon burks romeo dobbs jahan dotson george pickens alec pierce and then i'm going to try to add some guys like you know little fringier players sky Moore, khalil shakir taekwon thornton wandale robinson maybe even we'll figure out what the hell david bell's doing when he's running all these routes and not getting any (laughs) targets you know so hoping to add a a lot of these guys are almost done uh so yeah it'll be a big sign basically what it is is you know it's kind of mini samples on these guys what they've been doing so far in the rookie year you know this is where we uh you last year Looked at like Amon Ross St. Brown, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, uh, you know, obviously Jalen Waddle, you know, trying to learn about these guys a little earlier than the end of their rookie season because a lot of these players will like take a step forward, you know, towards the end of their rookie season. The post by rookie bump, as Hayden Winks from Underdog Fantasy calls it. So that's really the goal of it is try to get a, like an earlier look than ever on these guys. Um, I think it should be really great. It's available to Prime and Sicko subscribers on the website. Um, but yeah, man. So, like I said, a lot of guys already done. Um, and, and we'll, we'll have some more kind of lower tier guys after that. So Garrett Wilson's obviously going to be one of the featured players there. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to find what, what do you, what does Matt Harmon find on guys like David Bell and Tyquan Thornton guys who have like barely seen the field. Uh, but you know, Garrett Wilson, obviously not of that camp. Uh, this dude is out there and he is being leaned on. As a matter of fact, he is now the, the de facto number one, with Corey Davis being sidelined for the Jets, um, what have you found with uh, with Garrett Wilson and uh, and this Jets offense? Yeah, I love it when um, there's two receivers on one roster that I absolutely love, like the Jets here. So it's like, oh man, you know, Elijah Moore down bad. Hey, but we got Garrett Wilson though. Okay, like Garrett Wilson obviously <laughs> had an awesome reception perception profile coming into the league, right. um, and he has been like when uh, he's been awesome in the stat sheet, right? Like his his yeah. his his box score stuff. He's been great in fantasy, uh, especially the last three weeks. He's been awesome. Uh, but man, I, he's even better on film than, than you'd think. Uh, he, he's like, I think he's an elite separator already. I think he's already a superstar wide receiver. And what's been great about it, James is like, you know, early on in the year, Garrett Wilson was kind of like, it was like a slot receiver for mm-hmm. the jets. Yeah. Right. He, you right. know, he was a guy that was winning, especially those first three weeks with um, Joe Flacco at the helm. By the right. way, it, that feels like a thousand years ago at this point. Jesus. Uh, yeah, Joe Flacco running that offense there. But yeah, you know, they kind of had um, they kind of had Garrett Wilson as like a slot receiver. But really, like over the last um, since week six, he's been about a 70 percent player out wide, almost like yeah. a full flip on what we saw earlier in the year. Get Wilson. And he's been even better in this outside role because he is disgustingly good at beating press man coverage. I'll give this teaser from the reception perception rookie report. Garrett Garrett Wilson success rate versus man coverage in the four game sampled for RP 78.4% success rate versus man 83% success rate versus press. I mean, we're talking about like high end, high end number one receiver, superstar type success rate versus coverage numbers. Now, of course, when 
when that gets put, put out to the full season sample, it, those numbers are going to come down most likely. We saw that okay. with almost all of the rookies last year. But it's a great indicator on where he is right now. I mean, and I think the crazy part about Garrett Wilson is that you know, he, he wins at all levels of the route tree. You know, he's got gr- above average success rates on all but or average or above average success rates on all but two routes on the tree. I mean, he is legit like a, a full field separator, but he's also a great 50 50 ball receiver. He's also really, really freaky um, out like out in space, you know, like he's a guy who can really do some damage after the catch. Like I I'm struggling to find like a real weakness in Garrett Wilson's game. And man, again, as much as the Elijah Moore stuff has been so disappointing, right. the Garrett Wilson like emergence has really, I, I think he is just a potential superstar. Um, and I think we're already seeing that in a very not ideal situation. Like he was the only receiver that did anything against right. the bills in that upset win. Matt, when you start talking about guys that are, and I'm sorry, what was his success rate versus man early on? 78%. So 78%. When you're talking about a guy who's 78% success rate versus man and north of 80% success rate versus zone. Okay. Press, press. Yeah. No oh, press. press. Okay. Got yeah. you. Um, but again, we're, we're starting to talk about, you know, we're talking about the elites of the elites here. I mean, we're talking, yes. you know, Justin Jefferson's AJ Brown's, you know, we're talking about like CD Lambs and the Deontay Johnsons, the Stefan Diggs. Like this is this is the guy, the kind of guy that 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 you're seeing here on tape. I 100% think so. I think he really is that good. And and you know what the crazy thing is, like his teammate Chris Olave is like just uh, almost just as good. <laughs> it's it's an insanely good rookie class, man. Wow. Um, it's a great rookie class. And yeah, I mean Garrett Wilson, I think like. I mean, I really like Drake London too. Uh, you can see a lot of positive stuff in this rookie report because I like a lot of these rookies and, and what we what we've seen so far. But you know, I think there's a clear tier one in this rookie class just on on talent and, and their ability to play, like Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a real real good chance that Garrett Wilson's the best of that bunch, um, I, and and that's saying a lot because those three are all really really good. I would love to see. Um, when you when you get around to it uh, in the offseason. But uh, when Elijah Moore, when you track this guy's game tape, I'm, I'm just so curious to see what was this guy's success rates in like the first three games of the season and then after. You know what I mean? Because yeah. right now he is playing 45% of the snaps. When I watch him out there, I'm like, this guy doesn't care, man. <laughs> like he is, yeah. he's, he is there but he's not there, you know? Yeah. Um, and that is, that's just so unfortunate um, because he's a great player. He's an absolutely great player. And it's like, it's a, it's a Jets team that and I wrote about this in my matchups column, but spent a long time about talking about this, actually. The fact that I just feel like they've absolutely mismanaged um, this situation. And by the way, how funny is it that this is like, I, I sent this tweet out like two weeks ago uh, about how, they're going to keep them, but bench them, but not trade them. And then they're going to say something along the lines of like, oh, he's got a bright future with the Jets. And sure as shit, man, like Joe Douglas exactly literally said those words. We see a bright future for Elijah Moore with the Jets. Like, oh my God. Like, are you serious? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Played 45% of the snaps there. In week number one, did Elijah Moore did not see a single target. It is really bad. Um, he has not seen a reception since the Reagan administration, it feels like. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, I legitimately has not had a reception in four weeks. Like, that is, that is bonkers to me. Yeah, Elijah Moore in the first two weeks, because I do have these games sampled for the in-season tracker, which is on the website right now. Sign up, obviously. 74.3% success rate versus man, 79.5% uh, success rate versus press. So he was legit playing well in those first two games. I think he had a real he had a real reason to be upset. But, uh, you know, James, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. We're talking about Jets here. Uh-oh. Remember when you remember when you predicted they would go 0-4? <laughs> Uh, at, like they would lose to Denver, New England, oh, no. and Buffalo, and then New England again. Uh, They're two and one since that uh, prediction. So, since you said they would get, I, I was it was it destroyed? I think I said they out. were going to get. Nope, nope, nope. I said they were going to get boxed up. I said they were going to get boxed up. <laughs> you know what? Okay, 
Here's the thing. The only thing that's been boxed up is Elijah Moore's box score during. That's right. That's correct. That's correct. Look, here's the thing. Uh, okay, so results over process. Okay, so I'll, I'll take the L. I'll eat that. Um, you know, and I know a lot of folks were very upset uh, when I said the Jets could potentially go. I didn't say they would. I said they could potentially go 0-4. <laughs> Obviously, they're 2-1-1 right now. I still think they lose to New England. That's fine, whatever they end up 2-2. Two two. Okay, now that being said, a critical component of what I was talking about was the offense. You cannot sit here and tell me, and this is part of the process versus the results, the results, I'm taking the L. But you can't sit there and tell me this offense looks good, dude. This offense does not look no, well, good other than Garrett Wilson, yeah. at all. It's a bad team offense. Um, and that was my thing. And again, look, Buffalo, like who on God's green earth thought that the Jets were going to win this game? No one. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. No um, the defense no is one. really good, though. You do got you got to give props yeah. to that defense. That defense is oh, falling sure. out there. They have good players. They 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 scheme really well. They've got a Sauce good setup is out there. Out of his mind right now. I mean, yeah, Sauce he's is just going nuts. He's ridiculous, and then everybody else communicates really well. Like it, it's starting to look a lot like. Robert Robert Sala's old 49ers defenses where like they can pressure you at the front and they communicate really well on the back end and they don't have to send extra heat. Like last year they were one of the most blitz heavy teams in the NFL. They don't blitz at all anymore because they can get pressure on you with their front four. So defense really good. And they are still running like Michael Carter had a really good game against the Bills. They're yeah, still running the ball well. It just looks different with Brees Hall. Like they're they're a pretty boring offense. You know, Zach Wilson like gets a ton of platitudes against the bills for not going out there and screwing it up. Um, <laughs> certainly still a developmental quarterback is Zach Wilson. If you're going to put it kindly. Yeah, no, he's uh, not played well as a matter of fact. I mean, he doesn't have eyes for anyone other than Garrett Wilson. Like I'm like going through his, all, all of his passing attempts, um, Zach Wilson. And I'm like, yeah, that ball's going to Zach Wilson. Yeah. He's going, he does not come off that read, man. Like, I don't, I, I don't know what the hell the Bills were thinking when they're playing this game. I'm watching this game, and I'm watching the defense, and I have no idea what they're doing because it's like you know he's throwing to this one. He's staring him down the entire play. Like, what are you guys doing? And, and, you know, and I'll say this too. They're such a zone-heavy team. You know, they went crazy hardcore man in that, in that game. Like, I just, I, I'm just, I was so confused by the whole thing. Yeah, very strange. Uh, but yeah, Garrett Wilson, very good, very good wide receiver, and and the Jets definitely have a star on their hands in that one. Uh, so that's that's got to feel Let's good. Just I mean, hope the uh, the coaching staff doesn't screw it up. <laughs> well, let's hope he doesn't. Let's hope he doesn't request a trade in the middle of the season God, at some geez. point. That would be I nice. Mean, come on, like here here's what would be absolute like doomsday scenario. You ready for it? Corey, I mean, Corey yeah. Davis comes back healthy. And just gets fed all the targets. And Garrett Wilson is thinking to himself, what on God's green earth is happening right now? Why can't I get the ball? And, he's, and he says one thing. <laughs> and he says one thing. And then, and, then, and then what happens? And then what happens? That's, that's the doomsday scenario. That's the Don't doomsday even say scenario. it, you know. Yeah, Don't even no, say it. All right. All right. So that's the Jets. I'll, I will take the L. I'll offer them Mia culpa. All right. There's one Not guy bad. who won't even there's one guy who won't even call you anything other than the other guy on the show in my mentions uh, when you because you <laughs> I'm the other guy flamed like, the damn. Jets. Jeez, <laughs> my bad. Golly. I apologize. I take look. I, I will. Like I said, results over process. So I don't care. I'll take the L. I will take the that's L. right. OK. All right. There you go. All right, that's the show. Uh, Jets fans, I apologize. It's all good. You guys are probably going to lose against New England, though, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's learned nothing. No growth. Uh, no, I know. I, 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 I kid. I kid because I love. Uh, I kid because I love. All right, for Matt Harmon, I'm James Cobb. We'll catch you later. See you.